0: Is up, everybody. Welcome back to the big show brought to you by the two of us this week. Again, it's just two, but it's me and Corey. We okay. are headlining the pod, we are your guides through the Big Ten football season this week. Uh, Corey, why did you miss the pod last week? I want you to inform everybody what I... activity you were partaking in instead of being on here talking about Big Ten football.
1: Hold, hold the phone, okay? Number one, first off. I'm, I'm actually very surprised you guys didn't make fun of me on the pod. So that – cool. Kudos to you guys. That's I, I like that. Number two, I had to pay the bills because, unfortunately, as much as I would love for this podcast to pay the bills, it does not currently in its current state. So I had to work at Field Fieldhouse, which is the home of the Indiana, Indianapolis Pacers – or the Indi, Indiana Pacers, excuse me. Who wow. Cares? Wow. Who, who cares? Go Pistons. Um and the mouse of the Palace documentary was Pacer's propaganda. So whatever. <laughs> um, I had to work the Lizzo concert. Uh, by by yeah. by work,
0: do you mean you had to buy a
1: ticket to go see oh, Lizzo? Oh, oh, no. No, I, I was definitely being paid to be there. Uh, otherwise, I would not have been there. <laughs> by work, Corey means work, 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 No, 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 i had a drunk lady come up and hug me um i didn't really like that uh it was it really caught me off guard i didn't really know what to do at least it one one lady i worked at justin bieber concert last year which that was a lot of fun Um, oh let's go but uh one lady threatened to kick my arse except she didn't say arse um and i didn't even do anything i was just showing her how to like work a machine and she's like if this thing doesn't work i'm gonna come back here and beat
0: you up. Yikes. Well, I'm glad you had fun at the Lizzo concert that you chose to go to willingly, that you bought tickets for. Correct, yeah,
1: because that's totally... I I can show you my pay stub.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you had fun, but I am glad that you are back. We've got some crazy stuff on the show today. This is the last week before... This is the last week of games before the first college football playoff rankings come out. It's a week from today when we're recording. By this time... You all listen to this, it'll be less than a week. So, so things are starting to matter. Things are starting to get hot. And we're gonna see the record, the the rankings, excuse me, that actually matter come next week. So big, big, big stuff. Big uh housekeeping notes for some teams in the Big Ten. Eric all starting tight end for Michigan, who they've been playing without for most of the year, officially out for the rest of the year after having surgery on his back. Uh big bummer for Michigan, but again, they've been playing without him. Uh, thoughts and prayers for him, so so he can come back and and prep for the draft. Bigger conference news: Big Ten decided that they're keeping the same divisions as they currently have until USC and UCLA get to the conference, and then they'll reconfigure in 2024 when that happens. So yes, so we'll get yes. one more wild ride
1: from the Big yes. Ten West, baby. Sickos live on for for one last hurrah. I I this is this is the only way to do this division justice. We need a West Division champ next year with a losing Big 10 record. We need it. Who's We're, your
0: ideal pick to be the last ever Big 10 West champion as it's
1: currently configured? Oh gosh. I mean, I I obviously Purdue for for, you know, location reasons, but uh man, I, it would be really funny if it were like Indiana or not Northwestern. Cause they've been, I would want either a team who's never been there before or Purdue. And that also includes a team that's never been there before. And like, that'll be like the only time they'll ever make it ever with USC, UCLA getting back uh, or getting into the big 10. So the, 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 the perfect off a losing record, division champ and someone who's never been there before and never will go there ever again well
0: while we're while we're on the topic do you want to talk about the the sickos committee math that they did to make it northwestern wins the big 10 west i mean they they were working some dark magic and and going over every team's schedule and they legitimately found a realistic possibility that would make Northwestern the Big Ten West champs.
1: That would be, I would laugh. I would actually go to the Big Ten Championship solely for that because that would be hysterical to watch. But here, so there, it there can be a seven way tie in which uh, Northwestern would go to the uh, the Big Ten Championship. All of which would have a record of a Big Ten record of four and five. Okay, yeah. but by, ver- by virtue of tiebreaker, Northwestern would have a Big Ten West record of four and two. So this is how it stands: Illinois would have to lose against Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan, and Northwestern, and they'd have to and they'd have to beat Michigan State. Okay, then Iowa can beat Northwestern beat Purdue, but lose to Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then beat Nebraska as their final game of the year. Minnesota would have to lose to Rutgers, beat, North, or beat Nebraska, lose to Northwestern, beat Iowa, and beat Wisconsin. Nebraska would have to beat Illinois, lose to Minnesota, lose to Michigan, beat Wisconsin, lose to Iowa. And then Northwestern would have to lose to Iowa, lose to Ohio State beat Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois for their final three games of the year. And then Purdue and Wisconsin only have four games remaining, but Purdue would have to lose to Iowa, Northwestern, and IU, and then beat Illinois. And then Wisconsin would have to beat Maryland, beat Iowa, and then lose to Nebraska and Minnesota. I just gave you all that information. You don't care. That's probably going to be the most boring (laughs) part of this whole podcast. But that's just how absurd it is. It's like a plus bajillion-odd, like – Thing for Northwestern, and plus, I don't think Northwestern is capable of winning another football game at all.
0: Just for pure transparency, I am wearing my Northwestern Wildcats shirt right now in honor, in honor, and I am rooting for so much chaos. I feel like the Joker right now. I just want chaos. I want everyone's plan to not go according to plan. I I can't wait for Northwestern to be in Indianapolis later this year.
1: Would that save Pat Fitzgerald's job?
0: Oh, Oh, one thousand percent. They give him a lifetime contract on the spot. If that happened, <laughs> I'd love it.
1: They would have four wins
0: all year. Doesn't matter, baby. Doesn't matter, baby.
1: <laughs> oh, horrible.
0: So I'm sure uh, I'm sure you were listening to Ethan and I last week harping on James Franklin for. His, uh, his tunnel complaints at the, at the big house. What if you fun. didn't listen last week, James Franklin, Penn State and Michigan, had a little tussle at, at halftime, and, and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches were thrown, literally, it's not a joke, by players. And, uh, and Franklin was complaining about the facility, saying that Michigan needs more than one tunnel, blah, 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 all this stuff, whiny, whiny baby stuff. And Jim Harbaugh this week was asked about it, about Franklin's comments. And I'm going to read you the whole quote. I'll read it pretty quickly. It's not that long. But just an absolute mic drop moment for Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin. So here's what he said. Quote, I really got bigger fish to fry than Franklin's opinion on the halftime tunnel from a game ago. All you got to do is walk in. All they got to do, excuse me, is walk into their locker room. Like you saw pretty clearly that they completely stopped. They weren't letting us get up the tunnel, and it just seemed like such a sophomore ploy to try to keep us out of our locker rooms. And he looked, he being James Franklin, looked like he was the ringleader of the whole thing. I got bigger fish to fry than worry about that kind of whining, end quote.
1: (laughs) The old Jim Harbaugh is back. Now, I say this. With a grain of because I don't want the old ways of Jim Harbaugh back, like, not beating Michigan State, not beating Ohio State. Um, but, like, there was, there was a point in his tenure where, like, he was just, like, a blowhard, would say all these just outrageous things. I remember when, like, there was a quote of, like, him rumored to go to the NFL for, like, the 50th time um, that it was, like, these are just lies made up by our enemies, which in actuality they weren't because he really did consider that. Um, But he just says some ridiculous things. This is like the first time where he is like actually like just like used to the extent of his vocabulary. But honestly, kind of true. Why isn't James Franklin focusing on beating Michigan and not losing by a million points? Exactly.
0: Like Ethan said it on last week's pod that like James Franklin, your job after a game like that is to go into the the media room Take your tongue lashing and and get back in the locker room because you obviously didn't do a good enough job that week preparing your team. And you're spending the media time complaining about the halftime skirmish and how the big house needs to add an entrance for you. I mean, what is this? So kudos to Jim Harbaugh for being like, bro, I've got bigger fish to fry. I've taken care of business with you. I just crushed your team and your hopes for the second year in a row, this time in our house, and I'm not worried about you. I've got another game to prepare for, and you should too. So I'm not talking about this. Just an absolute mic drop moment from Jim Harbaugh. And if I'm a Penn State fan, I'm just so irritated with Franklin saying that and you know, there's been some stuff going around on Twitter, Penn State Twitter, saying like, oh, you know, when we won the Big Ten, this is exactly what happened. We lost big to Michigan when we went in undefeated. And then we beat Minnesota the week after. And then after that, we upset Ohio State. So, like, what if we do the same thing right now? I'm telling you right now, you're not upsetting Ohio State this week. It's not happening. It's not happening. And, and James Franklin's going to have a lot of people to answer to if Penn State's season ends as horribly as his comments went over after the michigan game
1: i mean i wouldn't be upset if you know penn state beat ohio state that might be kind of nice obviously michigan would have to take care of business from then on out but if that's where the scenario would work right if it's michigan ohio state and penn state all with one big ten loss and all losing to each other i think the tiebreaker then goes the the schedule against the West. And then if those are the same, then it's the schedule or the strength of schedule of those combined records. So I believe Michigan would be the only team that would play Illinois. And that'd be the week before. So in that scenario, then Michigan would go. So like, cool. Like, obviously I want to beat Ohio state at the end of the year, but all right, James, like if you really, if you're really concerned about a tunnel and you really think that you're a good team, then go out and beat Ohio state next week. And, uh, Maybe we'll consider the tunnel thing, but uh, until then, you're kind of bad at big games, and uh, you should feel bad.
0: 100%. I, tr- I try my best to not trash talk players because, like, they're students. They're just trying to go to class. Like, they're trying – you know, they got majors to pick, all that stuff. But when it comes to coaches, in the words of Mike Gundy, I'm a 40-year-old man. Right about me. And, and James <laughs> Franklin, you can go – Put a sock in it, complaining about the tunnel situation. Go win games.
1: Go eat your PB&Js. Uh,
0: all right. Forget about the outside line stuff. Let's get into the games from this last week. Uh, this first one, Rutgers, gets a Big Ten win at home for the first time. Corey, I know you brought this up. Was it 2017 the last time they did this?
1: 2017 against Maryland. It was like a 31-24 to 24 score. Um, and it was over 1,900 days or something like that since their last Big Ten home victory, which is an insane stat to think about.
0: Yeah, crazy. So they beat Indiana 24 to 17. Uh, I think a big part of this was they had Noah Vedral healthy for the first time in a while. He's by far their best quarterback, and they just haven't had him on the field. He went 12 for 24, 113 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, which is huge. You know, Evan Simon had been killing them with interceptions, uh, rushing, uh, Brown for them had 101 yards rushing on 28 carries, one touchdown, not a great average, but, uh, they did enough Indiana. They got off to a really, really hot start. The opening kickoff for them was returned for a touchdown. Uh, and then didn't they score? They scored like the next play or something, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they, they came up like play the next drive. They started the game, uh, with 14 unanswered points, um, which for a team like Rutgers, that's usually an insurmountable uh, deficit to go over. But, I mean, kudos to them. Uh, you look at, the, look at the box score of this game, uh, 38 minutes of time of possession for Rutgers to Indiana's 21. So if you're going to get back into a football game like this, you have to control time of possession. Just chew away, chip, chip, keep chopping. I think that's Rutgers' uh, motto for their team. Uh, And they, they did great. Um, There was only one turnover in this game as well. And it was from Indiana and uh, Rutgers controlled pace of play. And they also kept control or they, you know, they they protected the ball. Um, Passing wasn't impressive, but that's okay. They didn't need it to be because they had 192 yards on the ground. Um, So I would say a full team effort uh, and something that as a program, Rutgers would need to build off of, because I mean, I use not very good, but that's a game that you have at home that you should win. But Rutgers just hasn't been a team that's been able to pull those things those things off. And it's even more impressive that they've been able to do that with this big deficit almost immediately. I mean, a lot of teams would fold under that and Rutgers credit to them. I would say probably their most impressive win of the season.
0: Oh, easily. Easily to be down 14-nothing to an Indiana team that throws it all over the place and then outscoring them 24 to 3 the rest of the game. I mean, we know Rutgers is not super talented. So for them to go on a 24 to 3 run against Indiana, who's also not that talented, but more talented than Rutgers, super impressive for them to, to get that win. Um, I mean, not too much more to say. Good on Rutgers for getting a big 10 win at home and and making yourselves respectable for sure.
1: Last thing, they were also nails on third down. Uh, Indiana only converted uh, two of 12 third downs. So you got to get back to a game. You got to keep you got to keep the opposing team's offense off the field, and that is wildly impressive, in my opinion.
0: One hundred percent. So good on you, Rutgers. Moving on, let's get into the Penn State Minnesota game. Penn State beats Minnesota forty-five to seventeen. This game. It took a while for, get, for Penn State to get into a rhythm in this one. Their, uh, their first three drives of the game, actually, were two, three, and outs. And then Sean Clifford threw an interception that led to a Minnesota field goal, and they got down 3 nothing. The Boo Birds were out at, at Happy Valley for Clifford. They were one Drew Aller real, real bad. But then Clifford turned it around. He ended up, ended up throwing for four touchdowns in this game, 295 yards. Only the one pick that happened early on, so he bounced back. And then as the game wore on, Penn State got that run game going. They were just leaning on Minnesota. Singleton had 79 yards on the ground along with two touchdowns. And then Catron Allen had 77 yards of his own. So two separate running backs going over 70 yards. Um, They just kind of imposed their will. And Minnesota was without Tanner Morgan. So very one-dimensional for Minnesota. Hard for them to do much of anything on offense in this game.
1: Yeah. Uh, in in a spot like this uh, with Tanner Morgan being out, uh, I also don't think they're, I don't think Tanner Morgan is any good. And he got a lot of love from pro football focus. And as a big dumb idiot, like myself, um, I'm like, what are they seeing in this guy? Because this guy is a duck. Um, but regardless, he's your senior leader. He's your starting quarterback. He's been there for a thousand years. Uh, not having him in a night game at Penn State uh, is going to be a, a great disadvantage for Minnesota. And it looked like they were adapting well to that in the beginning of the game with that turnover and converting and taking an early lead. Um, but Penn State had a game plan. Morgan was out. They were going to be one-dimensional, like you said. And Ibrahim had 100 yards rushing, um, but that was on 30 carries. So yeah, when you have such a prolific player such as Ibrahim, you have to contain him. And containing him to only three, just about three and a half yards per carry um, is a massive win for Penn State. Um, and if you can control their one spot where they can hurt you, then you're able to build off of that lead that you have. So I've, it was just a matter of time. Um, it was a big moment for, uh, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, uh, Adrian Calcomit, Cal- Cal- Aethan? A- 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 Kalakamannis.
0: Ethan. A- Ethan Kilbasa.
1: Ethan Kilbasa. Yes, he's a fre- six foot four freshman. Um, and in the beginning, he he was scrambling. He looked like he, he was comfortable. Was. Um, but it was just too much. Too much for you know a freshman to overcome leading that team and um, Penn State at night. Hits different. We all know this, and they truly did show that. So good on you, James, for beating an unranked Big Ten team at home.
0: Uh, yeah, it was a whiteout. So like you said, hard for a freshman to go in there and do that. Um, eight, Ethan Killmonger went nine for 22. <laughs> nine for 22, 175 yards to the air. One touchdown, one pick. Like you said, he was running around a little bit, had 45 yards rushing, um, which actually he hit a couple of big runs that led to some of their scoring right. drives. Um, which is good on him. And to your point about Mo having 100 yards, that was his 15th straight 100-yard rushing game. He is now tied with Ezekiel Elliott for the longest streak in the last 25 years. He's going
1: to break that. He's, he absolutely is going to break that.
0: Do they play this week? Who do they play this week? Oh, they play Rutgers. He'll definitely break it this week.
1: Yeah. Is it at home? It is at home, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, they'll he'll he'll be fine. He'll have he'll have the record, and then he'll go on and have a very successful NFL career.
0: Yeah, good for him. Um, all right, let's jump into Corey's favorite football team, Purdue. Corey, did you hear? I gave you a I gave you a the road to Pasadena runs through West Lafayette last week. Did you hear me say that,
1: Alex? I heard it. I I can't. I did you I, also
0: notice that all three of us picked Purdue and the points last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, I did.
1: Uh, mm, Alex, I don't even know. I, this is the game that I watched the closest out of any of the Big Ten games this week. What on earth did I watch? I mean, I like immediately they went down, and then Aiden O'Connell threw pick six, so they were they also had the deficit that uh, Rutgers had, um, but they just Camp Randall is their kryptonite. They looked horrible, like. Aiden O'Connell looked like a true freshman out there. He was making mistakes that no 32 year old quarterback in college football should ever make. I mean, this was the most pathetic performance. I saw, I've been hyping up Purdue so much that I saw a Purdue hype video on TikTok. Like in the middle of the night. And it's like, it, it's like my phone has been listening to me. Luke has been listening to me. I see this stupid video about how, like, like.
2: We're gonna get revenge like this.
1: They came into our house, blah, 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 blah. It was like over some like It's actually a pretty sick video. And then they absolutely go out and like crap their pants. They take Wisconsin's and they crap in their pants as well. And oh my gosh. I haven't given you a whole lot of stats, but I just wanna say, even they looked horrible trying to rush the ball, or run the ball, excuse me. They just looked slow. Every run play looked like it took a year and a half to develop in the backfield. And I'm like, this is the slowest offense I have ever seen in my entire life. How on earth can you go with that much hype and that much determination to win and just look like a completely lost football you know what's at stake and this is why ethan and everybody else and their mom says that purdue can't turn the corner they're just the spoiler makers because they have performances like this
0: yeah and i let i let you go on your rant we haven't even given the score of this game wisconsin won 35 to 24 and in reality to your point about how bad purdue looked the the game was not as close as that score indicated at at one point in this game, it was 28 to three Wisconsin and Purdue ended up getting a gift of a call late in this game. They scored a, like a fourth and goal touchdown from the one that
1: he was clear. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. He was clearly a foot short of the goal line. Maccabee was even shocked. They showed the, they showed the camera on him on the sideline and he was like, Oh, I guess I scored a touchdown that I didn't score. Hmm. Kind of like the Lions they should have had this weekend, but that's a different podcast for a different time, but that's
0: it is, but but I was really I was really shocked because I went to the box score after the game because I felt the same way as you. that Purdue just looked horrible. Here are all of the box score stat categories that Purdue won in this game. They had more first downs, they had more total yards, They had less penalties. They had more time of possession. And I was like, how how did this game get as lopsided as it was? And it was the turnovers. They lost the turnover battle. O'Connell threw three interceptions. Unacceptable. One of them went through the receiver's hands, so I wouldn't put it on O'Connell. But one of those interceptions was a pick six. They gave Wisconsin short fields. And then Wisconsin also muffed a punt, which led to a Purdue score at one point, so that kept it a little bit closer than it should have been. But but Aiden O'Connell, he looked, he looked bad. I haven't been – I can't think of a time this season where I've been watching him and I've thought, oh, that's a six-year quarterback who's, like, come into his own and is accurate and is a good decision maker. Like, there's not one game that I've watched where I feel like I've come away being impressed with Aiden O'Connell.
1: This team is the Detroit Lions of the Big Ten. I've come to this conclusion. The current Detroit Lions of the Big Ten, Aiden O'Connell looks like Jared Goff, kind of. You just watch him, and he—he he like, he's a skinny and lanky, and he makes stupid decisions all the time. And he just, like his arm strength wasn't there in the Penn State game. I was pretty unimpressed with that. And his decision-making in the past three weeks has been terrible. I I just, I just don't understand. This is one of the best quarterbacks that Purdue has had. I mean, Purdue has had Breeze, Orton, but like he's up there, top five easily. And you're, you're putting out a performance like this, this late in the season with this much at stake in your season. That's inexcusable. The one, the, one, go ahead. The one thing I will say, Purdue surprisingly had seams in the hash open or in between the hash lines all day. Like they must've converted like 10 of those passes and for like 20 yards a piece. So I, and it's crazy. They're an enigma because you know, they're going to pass the ball. You know that they're going to struggle to get their run game going. And yet they still do this. This is why it's so frustrating because they could, they still, they could still even win the West. This game, technically yeah. speaking, doesn't hurt them.
0: No, no, they could still win the West. They do play Illinois this year. Uh, I'm that's correct right they do play Illinois yeah. this year yeah yes yeah, they do so they can still win the west but they've definitely put themselves not in the driver's seat no now. um Illinois is in the driver's seat but I, I don't want to talk about Purdue too much because Wisconsin did play a really good game and we saw we saw a really good version of Graham Mertz in this game and I it thought Wisconsin did a really good job of getting him outside of the pocket a little bit more and letting him throw on the run, he was really good at that. He went 13 for 21, 203 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions.
1: Hmm. That's the big one. Hmm. Don't turn the ball over, and you have a good shot to win the football game. Someone should tell 55-year-old Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, that's
0: the that, that's the weird thing. Is like you see you see Tanner Morgan as a 60-year QB, you see Sean Clifford, and you see Aiden O'Connell. And, and by far, to me, tell me if you think I'm wrong, I think Aiden O'Connell, of the three of them, puts the most balls in harm's way of yes. any degree. Yes, absolutely. And you just can't have that from, from
1: a guy who's in his sixth year at school. You just but, can't. But you put up with it because he can just sling that thing all over the place. Because even, even with his three interceptions, he threw for 320 yards. That's the story of this Purdue team this year. It's like they do so many things right, and they do a lot of things wrong, and they do them not at the same time.
0: Right. No, to your to your point, they put up some some bougie box score numbers. You gave O'Connell's 320 and a touchdown, but, again, the three interceptions. But Maccabee, 23 carries, 108 yards, one touchdown. Charlie Jones, 105 yards, like – if you told me that those were the box score numbers for Purdue... Purdue wins. Purdue wins. But they make critical mistakes in critical areas of the field at critical times in the game. And they didn't get most of those yards until you know the fourth quarter.
1: And I, I'm going to correct you, too. Purdue still, technically speaking, is in the driver's seat. Because if they win out, they win. There's nothing else that needs to happen. If they win every Big Ten game from here on out, they win. If they beat Illinois then they don't have to rely on anything other than themselves. With, they still control their own destiny, technically speaking, because of the Big Ten head-to-head record. They're so lucky. They're, it's it's frustrating. My team from the beginning of the year is the only one that's still in contention in the West. And yet they are probably the most frustrating and unrealistic like play on the field that, oh my goodness, oh my gosh, I... I can't. I know how Purdue fans feel. Actually, no, I don't, because this has only been one season. But
0: I, but I can't believe like you can't give up hope yet.
1: Because they, because they're not mathematically eliminated. They aren't. Right.
0: Absolutely insane. Um, Braylon Allen for Wisconsin had a really big game: sixteen oh, okay. carries, one hundred thirteen yards, seven point one a carry for him, and a touchdown. Uh, so Wisconsin gets back in the uh, in the win column, and Purdue. They still control their own destiny, to your point, but they've got to show that they can beat a team that's even relatively physical at the line of scrimmage. And so far this year, they have not done that.
1: I need a nap watching that team. i just going to have a brain aneurysm.
0: <laughs> uh, next one up, Maryland beats Northwestern 31-24. to uh, If you're wondering why the game was so close, we had not one, but two backup quarterbacks in this one billy edwards jr what a name what a name Mm -hmm. billy edwards jr redshirt freshman for maryland was in for talia who was hurt and then brendan sullivan was in for northwestern uh he was in for alinsky who was not hurt they just they just chose that they they thought he might be better so he played and neither offense was moving the ball very consistently at all all game um a couple of big plays for Northwestern got them the lead early on. And then for uh, for Maryland, same story as usual, right? Costly penalties that put them in bad spots in the game. They had two early defensive pass interferences on one drive that gave Northwestern a field goal. Uh, and honestly, just watching this game, I watched a large, large portion of this game. The eye test told me Northwestern was the better football team. Like Maryland's offensive line was giving up a ton of pressure, whereas Northwestern's offensive line seemed like they were moving the ball well. But similar to the Purdue game, we had a couple of turnovers here that ended up costing Northwestern big time. Um, Sullivan, so it was 17 10 at halftime, and then Sullivan for Northwestern throws an interception, and Maryland uh, takes it, takes it back, and it's not a pick six, but. They get the interception. Sorry, I'm messing up my words here. But then they score a touchdown on that following possession to tie the game at 17. And from there on out, Northwestern just couldn't get back.
1: Um, Two words. Roman Hemby. Bro, this was his game. Are you kidding me? Absolutely unreal. 179 yards and three tutties? It's a a free – he's a freshman. He's
0: He's going to be
1: so good for this team. And you know what? Honestly, speaking, and from my eye test, I don't think this Edwards kid is bad. Like, he was popping off plays at the end of that Michigan game that was like, who who the heck is this guy? This this redheaded pasty white boy. Yeah, they didn't
0: trust him with the football very much in this game. Like, he wasn't throwing it around all that much. They – I think because their offensive line was playing so bad, Maryland ended up taking the approach of, like, let's just get the ball out super quick to Hemby and Jarrett. And even if it's behind the line of scrimmage, just kind of let them work with it after the catch. Um, But, yeah, Hemby actually, he just went off in this game. And I have to take back a little bit of what I said earlier about Northwestern not being able to come back. The game did end up being tied again at 24. But And that was about three minutes and change left on the clock. And Maryland got the ball back, tie game at the 25-yard line. One play, handoff to Roman Henry, 75-yard touchdown run, and he called
1: game. One player taking over the game. And that's what you need in a a close contest like, like this with a freshman quarterback at the helm who, again, I want to continue that thought. I think he's going to be pretty good. And I think it's just a matter of like, you haven't earned your stripes yet. Like you've got to, you've got to earn the reins to this offense. So we're going to keep you under wraps a little bit, but that's okay because we've got this other stud six foot, 200 pound freshman, like thorough thoroughbred back here. That's just going to run all over every, I mean, what a performance. I mean, it this guy being a freshman, Oh, Oh Lord, Terry. He's going to be a problem. And that kind of makes me think that, you know, still this Maryland team is heading in the right direction. Usually if you lose your star quarterback for however long it's going to be, I mean, I don't – do we even have an update on how long that is?
0: They expect – they said to it's going to be a game-time decision this weekend, but he's expected to play.
1: Okay. So you lose your star starting quarterback, you kind of just chalk up, you know – at least an L for the next week or a coin flip, you know, given that you're playing Northwestern. So you like, you feel a little bit confident, but still, um, I think you were trying, you were playing not to lose that game, given that Northwestern is Northwestern this year. Um, But needless to say, you'll have your starters who are not injured that will step up in a big time role. If you are heading in the right direction as a program, and there's no better performance than that one that we just saw over the weekend. So Kudos to Maryland overcoming a injury to a leader, um, and kudos to their star players stepping up.
0: Yeah, and I've just accepted the fact that Maryland is not going to blow anybody out because they just make too many mistakes. Again, eight penalties in this game, another eight penalty game for them. Just extremely, extremely sloppy, and they don't always get the right end of those calls.
1: Right, you think about the cartwheel. Oh,
0: oh, my gosh, the cartwheel. I totally forgot about that. That was outrageous. That was on, that was on the 75-yard touchdown, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was the offensive line had been doing a cartwheel because they score. I mean, like, really? That's excessive?
0: Yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. They got a 15-yard unsportsmanlike for that. And if I'm an official, and even the, the, the broadcaster said this, too, don't you look at that and you're like, bro, that man is over 300 pounds. Like, that's impressive. I'm not throwing a flag on that. I'm giving that man a round of applause.
1: And it wasn't even around anybody. It, like, wasn't in anybody's face. He was literally off in la-la land, like the kid <laughs> in center field picking up, like, daisies.
0: He was. He was all by himself and pulled a cartwheel and they threw a flag on him. So
1: My man is killing himself. Let him go. Let him go.
0: Yeah, that was a bogus penalty. Absolutely bogus. But um yeah, but Maryland does escape, and that's what you gotta do when you're missing your star quarterback. So box scar box box scar.
1: Yeah, I'm scarred from the Wisconsin <laughs> game in that box score. Yeah. I get it. <laughs>
0: box score stuff from this game. Edwards Jr. 166 yards through the air, one touchdown, 66 yards on the ground for him, which was awesome. We gave you Henby stats for Keem Jarrett, 82 yards and a touchdown. It's a big game for him, too, on the receiving end. And then for Northwestern, Sullivan, 143 yards through the air, one touchdown to two interceptions. And then Evan Hull continuing to be the the weapon that he is. 20 carries, 119 yards, and then you toss in 331 yards. Sorry, not 301, 31 yards receiving for him, too. So, um, But not enough. Maryland gets away with a win. And speaking of get away, getting away with stuff, Brian Ferentz, you are you're getting away with murder over Not there problems. in Iowa. So uh, the Iowa State, sorry, Ohio State, man, I am dripping over some words today. Yeah, some
1: box scars. <laughs>
0: some let's get some box scar stuff from the Iowa State game. Ohio State crushes Iowa fifty-four to ten. And I looked at this score, because I recorded the game, and I was like, oh, I'm going to throw this on TV, and this is just going to be putrid. Ohio State's going to be throwing it all over the field. They're going to be doing whatever they want. Um, no. Ohio State's offense played really, really poorly in this game. And you think, well, gee, how did they get up 54-10? to 10? Because Iowa's offense did
1: nothing. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to stop you there. They didn't do nothing. They they acted as Ohio State's offense number 2. Because doing nothing would be sitting on the ball and getting zero yardage. No, they were literally hand, they were saying here, Ohio State, take this, like just have it. We don't we're not going to do anything with it, so you should just take it. The first pass of the game for Iowa was like a Petrus like like bootleg, like rollout thing, and he was trying to throw to—I I would assume Laporta in the flat—and he literally Dude. threw it. Running. I think he was
0: trying to throw to Ohio
1: State. He, he wasn't. He was. He wasn't anywhere close to his intent. Nowhere receiver. close. I don't know how that happens. I saw that. I'm like, that's the worst interception I've ever seen in my entire life. Next to the John O'Corn in uh, the Ohio State game, where like there was a chance to win, and he literally just threw it. Like in the middle of three, he closed his eyes. I, I could not believe I I could not believe that a Division One quarterback made that play, and that just set the tone for the offense for the rest of the game.
0: It absolutely set the tone for the offense, but it did not set the tone for this Iowa defense. This Iowa defense balled out and kept oh, it kept Iowa in it for as long as they possibly could. So to give you. a frame of reference as to how bad Iowa's offense was versus how good Iowa's defense was, I'm going to give you the beginning of the first half and the beginning of the second half before things really got out of hand. Just a few drives, okay? So, like Corey said, first play of the game for Iowa. Spencer Petras interception. Ohio State gets the ball on the Iowa 29. Four plays, one yard, forced to kick a field goal. Three nothing, Ohio State. Then Iowa, three plays, punt. And then Ohio State gets the ball on offense and a fumble return touchdown. A sack fumble return for a touchdown. And Iowa actually takes the lead, 7-3. to And then Ohio State gets the ball back and they drive the field. They do what they do. Really the only blip was that drive for the Iowa defense in the first half. And then Iowa's offense gets the ball. Three plays, fumble. Ohio State gets it at the Iowa twenty-seven forced to kick a field goal. And then Iowa gets the ball back, and their punter, for some reason, deep in their own territory, decides to call his own number on the play and go for it, and turns it over on downs. Ohio State gets it at the Iowa 34-yard line, and they're held to another field goal. I mean, Iowa's defense was doing everything they could in this game to try to keep them in it. And then before halftime, Petras throws a pick six, Ohio State is up 26-10 to 10 at halftime, and then a, a couple of drives go by in the second half where it, Ohio State throws an interception. Stroud throws an interception on their first drive, their first play, actually, the second half. And then what happens on the next play with Iowa's backup quarterback in the game, Padilla, fumbles the snap. Ohio State literally gave you a gift. C.J. Stroud does not throw interceptions, and this was his second turnover of the game and you fumble the under-center snap at midfield and give Ohio State the ball back.
1: I, they, it was comical. I had never seen a performance so bad. But, Alex, they literally said, here, Ohio State, have the ball. Please. I kept seeing tweets. Literally, if Iowa punted on every possession, like if they just punted on first down of every offense possession, that game would have been way closer than if Iowa's offense actually tried to do something.
0: It would have been. It absolutely would have been. They threw up a graphic in this game uh, just showcasing how good Iowa's defense has been. So through the first six games of this season, Iowa has allowed 59 points through six games. That is the fewest points through six games allowed by an Iowa team since 1956. You've got... The greatest Iowa scoring defense since 1956, and you can't win football games they didn't have because your offense pass. is also
1: from 1956. They didn't have the forward pass in 1956, and you you are you are you are competing at non-forward pass like numbers in a league that is complete forward pass.
0: I think that the thing that's so irritating too. Is like it's it's just obvious at this point that the only reason Brian Ferentz has a job is because he's the head coach's son, yeah. right? Because you look at other teams in the conference: Nebraska fired their head coach, Wisconsin fired their head coach, Rutgers fired their offensive coordinator, uh, Indiana fired their offensive line coach, Northwestern switching up quarterbacks, trying to get things going. I wouldn't switch quarterbacks till the second half of this game when they should have done it, freaking week two, and Brian Ferentz should be out. The door. And the fact that someone in the Iowa facility has not marched, the fact that their AD has not marched into Kirk Ferentz's office and been like, he has to go. Referring to Brian, it, it would worry me as an Iowa fan that they're not as committed to football as I want them to be.
1: How? How could that be? Because that's like, like Iowa football is Big Ten football. I, I agree with you. And they have been – I mean, they've held up half of their end of the bargain with their defense. I mean, how has there not been fights in the locker room? Like, this Iowa defense is literally putting up historic positive numbers. And yes. the, uh, the, the Iowa offense probably couldn't convert a first down against Smith Middle School in Troy, Michigan. I, Spencer Petras didn't complete a pass until the second quarter of this game.
0: Oh my gosh. I don't think they got a first down until the second quarter of this game.
1: How? How on earth can you look there, sit there and think that this is okay?
0: Oh, and and again, the Iowa defense outscored the offense 7 to 3. The offense had a field goal, the defense had a pick-six or the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Like the defense I mean, I, to your point, if I'm the defensive coordinator of this Iowa team, I am walking into Brian Ferentz's office and Kirk Ferentz's office and being like, "You need to pull yourselves together because we're wasting what an incredible defense this is."
1: This is what's got to happen. You got to get the captains on defense to go to Kirk and be like, "You have to make a change." After yes. You have like 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 you have to do something about this or like. Threaten to sit out or do something. I know that's like a mutiny, but don't pin it on your guy person se- because I don't think anybody wants to like go up against Petrus in the locker room because he's a senior, whatever. And I don't think he's a horrible person because I'm yeah. sure we would have seen some cracks in it. It's yeah. probably it's probably a really tough situation of him being like a super good dude as yeah. uh, a leader and nobody really knows what to do about it. So as as your senior leaders on defense you got to be like this is this is about your kid and he is not getting the job done everybody in america can see this like it was comical yeah people on twitter were were just done
0: it's horrible it's absolutely horrible and it's a disservice to the kids on your football team who are going out there and giving everything they can and to your point this is not a bash spencer petrus hour that I'm, I'm more infuriated with Brian Ferentz Absolutely. than anything. Petrus, Petrus, maybe he just doesn't have it. He's there's he's this, just he's just not the guy. There's got to be Exactly. He's he's being put out there in an archaic offense, and he's not being put in a position to succeed. So so Petrus, oh well, you know you don't have it. It happens. But Brian Ferentz needs to answer for the type of football they're playing right now.
1: Easily, yeah. And it's a broken record. I think everybody in America sees that. Like my mom sees that. Karen Cercina, who is an almost 60-year-old woman.
0: Kurt Ferentz, call up Karen Cercina. She'll,
1: She'll get can't... it done. Are you kidding me? She would get it done.
0: Oh, she would get it done. She would get it done.
1: Shout um, out, Mom. We got to talk about Ohio
0: State because we, we – like, We do need to talk about Ohio State because while they did put up 54 points, they really didn't get going until late in the third quarter of this game in terms of blowing things up open like this was a two possession game for a long time um they got stopped in deep in iowa territory multiple times and part of that is how good the iowa defense is but we were kind of led to believe and we were believing that this ohio state offense was basically unstoppable no matter who you put in front of them so uh it it looked like they showed a little bit you know superman they showed a little clark kent on saturday ohio state did Um, so so you're curious to see that if you're a Michigan, right, and and you're going up to play them. So it was cool to see them look human from a Michigan fan's perspective.
1: At least in the first half. I'll I'll say that. Michigan is probably going to be watching a lot of first-half tape from this game, Um, but in the second half, they were just able to overcome. This is why Ohio State's been good and elite for so long. Even you can go back to the beginning of the season against Notre Dame they didn't play all that well. They looked uh, a little bit anemic on offense, but they figured out a way to win the game. They overcame, and that is what elite teams do. So they had struggles in the first half. C.J. Stroud looked—I uh, don't—he—he he didn't look invincible. Let's just right. say that he made right. some mistakes, and he honestly looked a little shaky with some of his throws. But they adjusted at halftime. They turned it up, and then they also got some points in garbage time to blow past their cover late in this game. Um, so there's things. I don't want it to be the story of Ohio State. Like, the score did not indicate the, uh, the actual level of play because Ohio State struggled, because I think it was a bit of both. They struggled, and they also looked very elite as well. Both of those things can be true, and I think that is very true. What I find very upsetting is that people are talking about this game as in the sense like that they didn't struggle at all on offense. Like the RJ Youngs of the world saying that was just saying like, this is the greatest offense ever in the history of time. And they're way better than Michigan because they beat, you know, uh, Iowa by a wider margin than Michigan did. But are we going to neglect the fact that Michigan had to go to Kinnick and play there? Are we going to neglect the fact that Ohio State had two turnovers in the first half against Iowa uh, when Michigan only had? So, like, it's just like, why are we making this argument? Take it a game-by-game basis. What did each team do well? What did each team not do so well? And then make your judgment based off of that. Don't be like, oh, because this happened, this means that this team is better. No, we won't know about that until those teams square off and play at the end of the year.
2: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you so much for letting me join you. <laughs> Where your, have you been uh, it's your it's your long lost pal ethan um just i i can't even i can't even begin to explain but anyway doing drugs yes yeah um i wish
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> folks uh, listening to I, this we do not approve of the use
2: <laughs> of illegal substances so I kind of heard, you know, what you guys were just talking about. And I I just like, I feel like, can we at least see Ohio State play Penn State this weekend? I mean, I fully expect Ohio State to win. And they have to go into Penn State. I think we can all agree that this is by far their toughest test of the year. And oh, by the way, people like to forget that they played a very close game in week one. Against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame is bad at football. So That's, that still counts as a top 10 win, though. Uh, cool. Great.
0: When the just, rankings come out, it won't.
2: I, I just think that I'd love to see Ohio State play a good team. I think we know Penn State is good. Um, and I would like to see what that looks like. And opposite of what happened with the Iowa playing Michigan and Ohio State playing Iowa, it will be Ohio State having to travel to Penn State. And while it is a noon kickoff, I still expect that to be a very hostile atmosphere. So let's wait one more week. I currently think that Michigan and Ohio State are both top three teams in the country. I do truly believe that,
1: Ethan. You should tell him what you told
2: me earlier this week. Uh, what was that?
1: You I about about your shakeup at the top of the Big Ten.
2: I I I currently believe that Michigan is the best team in the Big Ten.
0: You might not be wrong. I,
2: I currently believe I, I there are a lot of there are a lot of similarities to this Michigan team that beat. Ohio State last year by a hefty margin. Their offensive line play has been unbelievable. I believe Michigan has the number one offensive line in the country. I don't really think that that is being crazy when I say that. And I believe that Michigan has the ability to run the ball just like they did last year. And I I think the onus right now, because Michigan is the reigning Big Ten champions, I think the onus is on Ohio State to prove that they can beat Michigan. And I know that over the if you look, oh, over the last decade, Ohio State has been dominant. This is a show-me-now league, a show-me-now situation. And as of right now, I believe that that falls on Ohio State. And with what I have seen over the last couple of weeks, I truly believe Michigan is currently the best team in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, you can absolutely make that case, 100%. Um, We've been harping on this game for a while, so let's finish with some box score stuff, um, even though it's going to be ugly for the Iowa side of things. I'm going to give you Spencer Petras and Alex Padilla's combined numbers just to make it sound a little bit better. It's not going to sound good. 81 yards through the air. Oh, no. Zero touchdowns. Three interceptions. Oh. That, that is also not counting the the fumble. For I believe each of them had a fumble. Uh, Petrus Petrus had a fumble. I don't think they put the fumble on Padilla, but he also had one. So I think you can put five total turnovers on the, on those two guys right there. Wow. Uh, Ohio State really the only guy who really really balled out for them was Stroud. He had two eighty six through the air, four touchdowns, which were all in the second half, with one interception. Uh, Fleming, 105 yards, receiving, only two receptions. Abuka had 80 yards. Marvin Harrison Jr. had 62. And all three of those guys each had a touchdown. But to your point about the physicality, Ethan, and the offensive line play, Ohio State in this game, as a team, 66 yards rushing, 2.2 a carry. Even against an Iowa team, that's not impressive.
2: And and I mean – does something like that bode well for them heading into a game against Michigan, who has showed to be very stout against the run? And oh, by the way, their defensive line is only getting better and better. That's true. Very true. So very true. I, I just I just think that the gap has shortened for me significantly between Michigan and Ohio State as to what I thought it could be at the beginning of this season. And and listen, I, I have to take my hat off to Jim Harbaugh. I, I think he has done a phenomenal job. And for all the flack that I gave him over the last several years, winning the Big Ten Championship last year after beating Ohio State, I, I got to give this guy some serious credit. He has not only brought Michigan into national relevance, but he has taken them to the national stage where i currently believe that they are contending for a national championship
0: i agree with you i agree with you kudos to him uh i think we all agree the big 10 is coming down to thanksgiving weekend it is going to be another exciting exciting matchup between michigan and ohio state but we're not at thanksgiving yet we've got games to pick now and let's be honest This is the only reason Ethan hopped on the podcast this late, is so he can hear his stupid picks record. Uh, In week seven, or no, sorry. Yeah, it was was week seven. Uh, I went two and four. Ethan went three and two. Corey went one and four.
2: That sounds like I won the week.
1: Wait, hold on. How can can you go two and four and I go one and four?
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait! Wait, you're right. You're right. Uh, I went two and three. Sorry. I went two and three. I gave myself an extra loss.
1: Someone doesn't know how to math. I don't (laughs) think these numbers are right.
2: No, Uh, I think they are right. And I just think Corey is, I mean, wow, bad. uh,
0: Yeah. So Ethan was three and two. I was two and three. Corey was one and four. Uh, I'm still losing by a lot, but I have gained a game on Corey. So I've Got that much more security. Did not finish at last, which is all I'm worried about at this
1: point. Okay, so here's here's the deal, and I won't I won't be too long about this. So uh, I'm horrible at this. I'm very bad at this. So this is what I'm going to do in order to get myself back into this race, because obviously my thoughts have been horrible and the exact opposite of what is happening. So this is what I'm going to do for you, gentlemen. I have a little George Washington.
2: Here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am wait, going... wait, can I can I ask a quick question before yes. you finish what you're about to say? Yes. instead of doing this, will you please for just this week, will you please pick the exact opposite of what you want to pick for every game?
1: no, i'm gonna I've already decided because i'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this instead. I'm gonna flip this coin and then heads will be heads will be the minus odds or heads will be. Points yeah, heads will be the favorite. Tails will be uh, the underdog. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to parlay all five <gasps> of those games. And I'm going to put like a dollar or two on it. And we're just going to let it ride. <laughs> this, oh, oh, this is what so I'm going to do this week. I'm going to flip this coin. And we are going to either shoot ourselves up to the top or further cement myself in the bottom. It is ride or die time, baby, with Mr. George Washington.
0: Oh, I love this so much. Uh, Corey, because of that, I'm going to let you go first in all these games. And Ethan, still being in the lead, has earned the right to go last. So I'll go second. But first game on the docket, Ohio State traveling to Penn State. Ohio State is currently minus 15 and a half. So Ohio State is the favorite, Corey. Corey, who is your pick this week? Do I still
1: give a synopsis or, like, should I do that? I- no, I, I guess got-
2: see- See no, if, you, not, were, if you wanted to give there? yeah, if you wanted to give a synopsis, you would have to do what I said. But if you're doing the coin flip, then you just have to flip the coin and say what it say what it says. All right, so, all up to the coin. Heads heads Ohio State, Tails Penn State. It's
1: a heads. We're going we're going Ohio State to cover.
0: <laughs> Ohio State. I love it. Um this one's really tough for me because Similar to you Ethan, I believed a lot about Ohio State. And this last game their offense played poorly, but they still blew them out. But then again, Penn State's run defense has been good against everybody except Michigan so far. And it's at Penn State. I'm I'm really waffling on this one. I think I think I'm going to go Penn State at home. I'm going to take the 15 and a half and trust that their run defense is good against everybody except Michigan. Shouldn't have gone against the corner.
2: I I very much expect this to be a late game. Late in this game, in, in the second half, in the fourth quarter, I think this game will be a one-score game. And it might not look like a one-score game. It might be like, oh, my gosh, Ohio State is outplaying Penn State. Like, how is this just a one-score game? I'm telling you, Ohio State has played one game on the road all season long. This is their first big test. I look for Penn State to keep this game close. I do not think they will win. I do think Ohio State will win. Give me Penn State plus the 15 and a half.
0: I love it when I pick the same as Ethan and not Corey.
2: (laughs) I'm not picking. I'm not picking this week. This is a coin flip that you can't
1: blame me for this.
0: That is true. Uh, next game up, Rutgers is visiting Minnesota. Minnesota is minus 14, so they're the favorite. Corey, what does the coin say?
1: We got heads again. Oh, no. Minnesota! <laughs> oh,
0: no. <laughs> Minnesota to cover. You know what, Corey? Your gut tells you that's not the right pick. Uh, so it's go,
1: probably the right pick. I'm going to go 0 and 5, and I'm going to lose a dollar.
0: <laughs> um, Rutgers is visiting Minnesota. Minnesota's minus 14. Um, I think the fact that Noah Vedral is being healthy is huge for Rutgers now. Um, so I do think they're a much more capable team than we're giving them credit for now with healthy QB play. So I don't think they win, but um, give me Rutgers plus the points. We're not even guaranteed if Tanner Morgan is healthy. So give me Rutgers.
2: Yeah, this is an interesting spot. And, and a lot of this depends on, Tanner Morgan's health because the backup play there for Minnesota at quarterback has been, I mean, you guys know, bad. Yeah, um,
0: Ethan to uh, kill a mockingbird in yes. a quarterback for Minnesota. Yeah.
2: I think a big thing to look at from last week's game is the fact that Rutgers got down by two touchdowns early only to go on a 17-0 run against Indiana and looked like the far superior team. In the back half of that game, I I really think that Rutgers is starting to find their groove. And the fact that you're giving me so many points, I'm going to take Rutgers and the points.
0: Oh boy, Corey, you are on an island with these first two picks. Let's see if it sticks. How
1: how am I going to gain ground if if I'm not on the island? That's true. That's true. Let's see if it sticks.
0: Illinois traveling to Nebraska. Illinois is minus seven and a half at Nebraska, so Illinois is the favorite. Corey, what does the coin say? Oh, no. <laughs> I, it landed heads again. I dropped it on the floor. <laughs> so, is that – that's Illinois.
1: That's Illinois.
0: That's Illinois. Um, Nebraska has been playing a lot better, and oh, this this could easily be a slip-up game for Illinois, I think. Um, Nebraska's been playing better. They have electric playmakers. Um, I just think – I'm going to say Nebraska's play in the trenches is too too soft. Illinois is a physical team, so I think it might be close early, but I'll expect Illinois to get out late and win
2: by 10.
0: But I do not feel good about it. Yeah,
2: cuz the court. boys Do I got something juicy to say to you? Yep, yeah, yeah. I think that this is a spot where Nebraska's playmakers have been they've been balling out Recently, and I think this is a game where they break out. I think this is a game where Nebraska shows up, and I expect Nebraska to win this football game outright. If you're going to give me the, if you're going to give me the seven points, I'm going to take it. Is it seven or seven and a half? Seven and a half. Seven and a half points. I'm absolutely going to take that. I I think Illinois has a very very good defense. I think they play very sound; they're very fundamental, but it's so hard to contain explosive players in college football, and they are going to struggle. This is this is one of those spots where I think Vegas is begging you to be on the Illinois side of this. Oh my goodness, you are giving me a ranked team against Nebraska, and it's just seven point. I am telling you, this is a spot to take Nebraska, take those points, Cornhuskers. Let's Uh
0: I I don't feel good about picking Illinois in that game but I I, I have to stick with it I have to stick with it um, next one up northwestern traveling to Iowa Iowa is minus 11 in this game as of
1: right now Corey who do you have first off I want to say I'm hammering the under in this game because it's like at like 31 and a half or something like that so like it's easy money there but I got heads again. Gosh dang it. Wow. Corey's
0: taking all the favorites.
2: Oh,
0: Corey's taking all the favorites. Iowa to cover by 11. Um, oh gosh. Northwestern is starting a new quarterback uh, against a really tough Iowa defense, but Iowa's offense couldn't be worse. Uh, Iowa doesn't know what they're doing at quarterback. And... At least Northwestern's quarterback is a mobile guy. Maybe he gets a few plays to keep this one close. Um, uh, Northwestern. I'm I'm wearing their shirt. I'm wearing their shirt, and I didn't plan on doing that today. So I think God's telling me to pick Northwestern.
2: I would not touch this game with a 45-foot pole attached to a 45-foot pole. So, what, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't wrap my brain around this. I don't know what to do. And when that's the case, I feel like you always take the team plus the points. I, I just, both of these teams are so bad. Hill and, uh, I mean, Iowa coming off just an absolutely brutal, brutal loss. I think Iowa might be getting close to firing coach territory. I I think that is, I think that's not a crazy statement. I think Ference is really wearing thin and I I just, I'm going to take Northwestern in the points. Corey's on an island again. Hey, this could be great for Corey. This could
1: be great for. Corey. It's gonna be horrible for Corey. Everybody knows that. It's gonna. This whole season has been horrible for Corey. I. You know, what? I. I'll lose. I will lose the spread. You now. know what?
2: Stop. Stop the presses. I'm switching my pick, and I'm going to Iowa with Corey, baby. Let's, let's go, go, Hawkeyes. <laughs> Hawkeyes cover. Now I don't feel good.
1: Hawkeye Nation, let's ride.
2: Hawkeye Nation. Let's
0: right. ride. Uh, next game up, and Corey, I swear to God, if this is the only game that the coin tells you to pick the underdog, I'm gonna laugh so hard. Michigan, it's gonna. I'm gonna State. tell you that. Michigan playing Michigan State at the Big House. Michigan minus twenty two right now. Corey, is the coin telling you to pick the underdog?
1: I dropped it again. Oh boy. Uh oh. I can't oh. find it. I can't. Oh. This is, It's Tails. <laughs> no
0: freaking way.
1: <laughs> it, the coin knows. It knows. Oh my god. And, I, and it's so frustrating. I can't even talk about this game. I can't. I'm, I'm subject to the coin. Yes.
0: You are subject to the coin. You are. Oh,
1: I want to die.
0: So let me talk about this game. I told you both, and you can attest to this before the year, that before the season started, I said, put my life savings on it. Michigan is not losing this football game. And not only are they not losing this football game, but they are going to cover. I think they are out for blood. This game is at night at the big house. Everyone is pissed off about how the game went yesterday. I think the players on that team feel that that Aiden Hutchinson touchdown that was taken away turned the game on its head, and they want to show Michigan State why Michigan is the reigning Big Ten champs. Give me Michigan to cover minus 22 because Tuck
2: ain't coming. So I, I'm going to try and bring a little bit of levity to this conversation here. in the In the fact that I think – There is a large portion of people who are going to be very attracted to the fact that in a rivalry game, you are getting the underdog plus 22 points. That is absurd. I mean, if they lose by three touchdowns, you still win. So just absolutely crazy and it's really Vegas is as much as I was talking about in the other game Vegas is begging you to take Michigan State in this game they are begging you to take Michigan State I firmly believe that and I, I just Michigan is better in every facet of the game they're better on they're better in the trenches they're better They have better wide receivers. They have better running backs. Their O-line is way better than Michigan State's D-line. And as much as you want to say, well, it's a rivalry game, so throw the records out the window. Every now and then in a rivalry game, especially with Michigan coming off back-to-back losses to Michigan State, this is a get-right game for Michigan against Michigan State. They've got a vendetta. And I don't know what's going to happen next year. But I do know what's going to happen this year. And Michigan is about to put their foot on Michigan State's throat and absolutely throttle them in this game. I would not be surprised if the final score of this game was 45-7. to And I'm not kidding when I say that. I think Michigan is going to absolutely annihilate Michigan State in this game. Give me the Wolverines.
0: Corey, if Ethan didn't switch his Northwestern pick, the coin would have put you on an island for four of the five games.
1: Listen, I mean, I'm just going to be behind the eight ball for the rest of the year. I don't care. At the end of the day, all I care is if my team wins. And if that happens, I'll be happy. This will be my third straight Michigan. I would have gone to the last three Michigan games in a row. I was at the IU game. I was at the Penn State game. And I'll be at the Michigan State. So I don't care. I don't care if Michigan State covers or not. I just want to win. And I would be very happy if they won by 152. Um, but I will take – I'll take what I can get at this point because obviously I'm not getting much in this stupid little contest, stupid coin. Well, Corey, this might be a big
0: week for you. Might be a big bounce back week. It's, but it's
1: not. It's not.
0: We'll see come Monday if the coin is trustworthy. So that's all we got for this week. Thank you all for listening so, so, so much. I know we've got a few new followers on Instagram. If this is your first time listening, thank you very much. Wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, please subscribe and follow. And leave us a review. You can follow us on the gram and on Twitter at Big Show Pod. And until next week, we're out. See you. Bye.